Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. Mara Brock Akil recently signed a multi-year deal with Netflix to create original content. Akil is known for being the creator and showrunner for The Game and Girlfriends. Last month, the first three seasons of The Game were released on Netflix, and this month, all eight seasons of Girlfriends hit Netflix on its 20th anniversary. In addition to Joan, Maya, Lynn, and Tony, Akil also gave us Being Mary Jane, and her deal with Warner Brothers TV gave us Black Lightning and Love Is. In this episode, we break down the importance of representation on TV. This is Emeka. So for us, it is so powerful to see ourselves on the TV screen or laptop, phone, or tablet screen. TV shows can impact how people see us, how we see them, and in many ways, how we see ourselves. Sometimes it can be affirming to see ourselves represented on the screen, especially when it is a character with dimension and not just a token character. Other times, seeing yourself on the screen can be like a mirror, causing you to pause and have a moment of self-reflection. And then there are times when you just get joy from being entertained by characters and storylines that are familiar and speak to you. So for us, I think it is important that we support shows from Black women creators who create quality shows that represent our collective yet diverse experiences. So for Landris, I grew up with some amazing shows from The Cosby's, Good Times, Fresh Prince, A Different World, Smart Guy, Sister, Sister, The Parkers, and so many more. For me, I think this generation could use shows that portray the diversity of blackness. We are not monolithic. So whether you're an artist, dancer, hip hop head, athlete, or even a nerd, you deserve to have something specific to who you are. So... Let's talk about what we're watching on TV that we feel has decent or even really good representation of Black women. What are you watching right now? So um, I wouldn't say they have decent representation of Black women. Um, (laughs) Outside of like Insecure, like I really like the versatility of Black women in Insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I look at characters on that show and find like there's a cross between me and um, Issa and um, what's her name? Um, goodness, I can't remember her name. It was just in my head. It's not Molly. Okay. It, it's um. Not Amanda Seals' character. It's the other one. Um, 
remember her name. The season has been on for a while. Is it is Sarah K? Am I okay? I think we all know who you're talking about. Is it Kelly or Kim? I feel like it's Kelly. I feel so bad that I don't. Um, (laughs) but I feel Kelly. Okay, okay. Okay. So it is Kelly. (laughs) Right. So Kelly, I live for her. I live for her character because Mm -hmm. she's this professional woman, but she's also down to earth. Mm-hmm. she has her life together but she also outside of work she's herself she's rambunctious she's boisterous she's everything and I'm like I love the versatility of her character but I also like the homegirl Issa Rae you know um she she's going through the struggle of a millennial black woman you know dealing with relationships being out on her own right after having to, you know, find a new job, find a new place to live, just figuring it out while also trying to live your dream. And I love that about her character. So I identify with two um, on that show. Well, okay, let's stick with that for a minute, right? Because as you're describing like the characters and Insecure, which is also one of my favorite shows, I'm also thinking about what I'm currently binging on Netflix, which is Girlfriends. (laughs) Um, And even recently, you know, people have been tweeting and things like that, uh, comparing Molly and Joan. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that leads us to what was before Girlfriends, living single, right? And so these um, stories with four to five, I guess, um, black women. Typically, it's, it's four, right? Yeah. Four main ones on all three. Um, and how the shows, I think, all three did this great job of making characters that are very different from each other. And yet, as the viewer, as a black girl <laughs> during living single <laughs> as a black teenager, college student, and now like as a grown black woman watching Insecure and rewatching um, Girlfriends and sometimes rewatching Living Single on Hulu, how you can find yourself in all four of the characters in some ways. Yes. Even though there's usually one or two that you're like, that's me right right there like this whole art that I'm following of Joan from a professional sense is definitely me um as a lawyer who recently decided this summer I'm stepping away from the practice for a moment to go and try out this whole entrepreneur journey um that I started while practicing and now I want to focus on it full time so I obviously mm-hmm. relate to Joan. Um, but I think it is, um, it's pretty great how the creators of these shows, uh, of these three shows have been able to make these so different characters, but they're all relatable. Even as one viewer, you can relate to different aspects of them. Um, right. I have a question for you. Now, when you mentioned living single, did Maxine Shaw inspire you to become an attorney? <laughs> no. Claire Huxtable did, though. Um, okay. <laughs> um, Claire Huxtable did. And my father's an attorney, too. Uh, so that's, like, the main inspiration for me, kind of 
following his footsteps into um, this profession. Uh, but I absolutely loved or love, I don't know, Claire Huxtable. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Maxine Shaw was, no, not really. I mean, I I love her character, but no, it didn't like make me feel like, oh yes, that's what I want to do. Gotcha. I, I felt that way about Khadija James because I saw myself in Khadija James, mm-hmm. not as the the entrepreneur at some point I wanted to be an entrepreneur but then I was like I don't I don't think I want to dedicate that much time Mm -hmm. to building a business I'd rather just be creative and helping out in the backgrounds rather than be in the forefront of it um so but I really loved Khadija James's personality she wasn't like this um girly girl she was like a fine median she was almost tomboyish. And at the time when I was watching Living Single, that's who I was. And she was rough around the ages, but the guys still loved her as a friend mm-hmm. as well as someone they would date. Right. Um, but I also could relate to Sinclair because she yes. was the goofy aspect. And I'm like, yes, this is me. So some of the characters I'm finding throughout um, these shows that we've watched, like I see so much of the the dual sides of my personalities where I can be this tomboyish, I can be professional, but I'm also at heart this person that loves to laugh, this person that is wacky, this awkward black girl, you know, that, you know, just wants to kick it with her homegirls or homeboys and also run the movement, help the movement uh, progress, mm-hmm. you know, uh, push forth with <clears throat> excuse me, our culture and make it thrive, which is what takes me into a different world cross between Freddie and Jada Pickett-Smith's character. You I were across between them? I was in I have to ask, <laughs> and maybe you're going to get to how you are across between them, but about how old were you? <laughs> oh, I was I was like well, when I rewatched it, oh, <laughs> when you're I talking about when you it, rewatched I was, it because I thought you were saying <laughs> when you first watched it, like when they were coming out, you were like, Oh, yes, I am Freddie. Or, um, oh, when, I, I heard, when like... it first came out and I was able to watch it, I was like kind of young, yeah, but it was it inspired me to, that show inspired me to go to an HBCU, mm-hmm. but and to go to college more than anybody else, mm-hmm. but Freddie was this girl who like I said she not Freddie uh, Jada Pickett Smith's character she had like the the style mm-hmm. the 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 colorful style the not too girly not too tomboy she had like this happy medium yes. and then you had Freddie who was also for the people just like Jada Pickett Smith's character and mm-hmm. she had this eclectic style yes. and I just loved it like they both made me fall in love with fashion and being creative with how I present myself you know I actually I actually had a day at my old job and they said dress like the 90s and I came in with this outfit that I actually made and it was like you are you Freddie from a different world and I had my hair up like Khadija James 
and I had the outfits that had the African print, the, the pants with the African print. I had the black, I had the bangles, I had the huge earrings. And I was like, yeah, I'm like across between the two. So I, I, I love the representation that that show gave me as far as college, as far as style, as far as being sure of who I was in my blackness. I love so that how do show. you, since we did the whole insecure girlfriends and um, living single, let's do a different world and grown-ish and dear white people. Do you watch um, dear white people or grown-ish? I do watch Dear White People. I've watched a couple of episodes of Grownish, and I felt a little bit like that's Gen Z, and I can't fully relate. I can't. And I could not fully relate. I think to that it. makes sense, right? Because it's on Freeform, so yeah, I think the yeah. target audience definitely skews towards Gen Z for sure. So yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting because. Um, like I think for many people, and like you said, um, a different world is part of the reason you said that inspired you to go specifically to an HBCU. I loved a different world, and I took it more as a college experience. Um, mm-hmm. I did not go to an HBCU, uh, so it didn't necessarily push me that way and really I don't recall watching it as a 90s kid and thinking specifically like I really really want to go to HBCU I don't think I even took it that way I just saw it as a college and a college experience so maybe that was my loss I missed out on that aspect of it I don't know I want to I have to think back on that um I will say this I'm a first generation graduate, so I didn't have anything to go off of as far as a college experience and what you're supposed to do when you go to college when I was growing up, because I'm the first to ever do it. And so when I started hearing about college, I just knew that my family were like, you're going to be the first, you're going to go to college, you're going to do this, you need to make sure to keep your grades up. And so when I'm looking at shows like um, a different world, I'm seeing like, oh my gosh, there's this school with all these black people and they're in, they're loving themselves. They're learning about their history. They're challenging. There's talks of feminism uh, encompassing race. And it was just so good. But then I also watch shows like Popular and- Popular? There was, um, I don't it, know that show. Popular? Oh, girl. Okay. Popular was on the WB. Okay. Um, Let's just say it was like the beginning of all the Vampire Diaries and all this other, like teen drama on the WB. Way back when. Mm -hmm. But then there was Popular. There was, um, what's the name? Saved by the Bell College Years. I love some Saved by the Bell. Um, There's a whole story. I I even was a first grade ballet dropout over watching reruns of Saved by the Bell. (laughs) four to five could not make it to class um but yeah see that show when it got to the college years mm -hmm. and even the high school I couldn't fully relate because it's like they didn't have I lived in a majority black city Mm -hmm. so I didn't have a whole lot of white students in my classroom I had a lot of white teachers but I didn't have a lot of white or Asian or Indian or Hispanic students in my class to relate when it came to getting older in high school and closer to college, I still didn't have that experience because every school that I went to was 
majority black, if not all black. That's interesting and, because, yeah, I, I would say I had the opposite experience. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if I didn't, maybe I wouldn't have necessarily loved Saved by the Bell as much as I did because maybe it was easier for me to relate to those stories, even though I was not yet in high school. Um, hmm. Okay. I haven't thought yeah. about it. Now I have all these these thoughts about how, you know, your current <laughs> situation impacts how a television show may impact you uh, and whether you see it, how you see it, right? Because I saw right. a different world and I was like, that is amazing. I can't wait to get to college. Not thinking, mm-hmm. but this is a very specific experience for an HBCU. Even though it was clear to me Pretty much everybody was black, <laughs> right? I think yeah. the first season or two, they had one um, white main character. I forget her name. Um, but I was just like, wow, this is an amazing college experience. I can't wait to get to college. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and that was that was pretty good for me. And it really pushed me. Now, I will say some of the things that I could not relate to when it was growing up, um, like the Cosby's with having so many Now, kids. to be clear, the Cosby show or the Cosby's? Or what was that second show they did? Was it called Cosby? Cosby, I think. Are you not familiar with that one? I don't know about that. Uh-uh, the Cosby show I'm referring okay. to. Okay, that's what I assume, but I just want us to be clear. But, um... Yeah, so that one I couldn't relate to as far as the two-parent household, the multiple siblings living underneath the same roof, the the structure that they had, but I enjoyed it because it was something that I aspired to exactly. Have. So then, so then, like I could relate to, but I could also relate to a two-parent household like Good Times, where the dad was stern, even though I didn't live in the same house with my dad. I had a stern mama, I had a stern. Um, I had very stern women in my house. And so there was something that was relatable through that. And I understood they grew up in the projects, mm-hmm. but I didn't grow up in the projects. Mm-hmm. But I understood what it was like to struggle and also try to come together as the family that you have and make it work. Make sure that everything is taken care of the best that you can within the environment that you've been given. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the lessons that I've learned from good times. So Speaking when I look of, at shows of good time, go ahead, go ahead. Um, you heard what Netflix is doing, yes? No. Netflix <laughs> no. is um, bringing an animated version of Good Time out. Shut the front door. <laughs> um, with Norman Lear, who is the original creator of Good Times, also Sanford and Sons, um, The Jeffersons. Um, and a few other shows like On the Family, Maud, um, and One Day at a Time. Okay. And I do want to mention One Day at a Time because Netflix brought back One Day at a Time, and I absolutely loved it. I can't believe they let it go. It is now on the Pop Network, I think, but I haven't watched yeah. it. But I loved One Day at a Time. So Netflix yes. has taken Norman Lear's shows, or at least One Day at a Time, recreated it and did an excellent job so you know maybe they can do yeah. good times but all I know is it's going to be 10 episodes it's going to be animated 
Steph Curry, mm-hmm. the Steph Curry you're thinking of, is involved, the basketball oh. player, as well as Seth MacFarlane, whose family guy, the Cleveland show. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's coming. And I don't know what to think of that. Uh, <laughs> I don't either because I, I feel some type of way, especially if they do what they did with One Day at a Time. If if you get this show and it's going to be phenomenal, because one day at a time is so they good. They did an excellent job with that. Yes. Right. And I'm like, nobody, I don't understand why they got rid of it. Everybody was watching it. And then it's like, it got to this point where it was so good. It was tackling so many topics. You know, even my husband's mom, who is Hispanic, she's Honduran. And she was saying she used to watch the original One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. And she enjoyed this One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. And although they're not Afro-Latino, she said, I felt seen, you know, to see a positive Mm -hmm. show that encompasses a, a Hispanic family. You know, they just took it away. And I felt some type of way about that. I'm like, so if they're going to do something like that with good times, don't put this in our face, make it good, and then throw it away. Well, no, no, no. I'm I not, I'm not gonna say. I'm not going to say that because um, I am very much about <laughs> give us a show and then we go out and support it because the more opportunities that we have for shows that represent us and that we support, the mm-hmm. more future opportunities there will be for similar shows so i would rather you bring us a show even if there's a chance that you might not keep it then we mm-hmm. never get any of the shows at all um so i my thing with good times is that i don't even know what an animated good times is going to look like it's not clear to me if it's going to be still set in the same time period or they're going to completely change okay. it or move it forward, the storyline and characters forward, I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. I watched Good Times growing up. I guess reruns because I was not alive. <laughs> yes. you know, but um, it was not perfect. <laughs> okay. And I don't, I'm not saying hard. shows have to be perfect. But I will say, I mean, there are certain aspects to some shows that just, you can't do that in 2020, right? No. Um, so I would guess part of me is a but little can bit. Can you not do that in 2020? Can you not do that in 2020? No, I just mean like certain types of jokes and things like that. I don't mean like the concept of good time itself. No, no, no. Even the jokes, because have you ever seen the show Big Mouth on Netflix? I've or seen F is for Family. I have probably seen it through the the little images and things. F is for Family. So, I don't know, but I can tell you that both of those shows are wildly inappropriate. Like think Family Guy, but on steroids. And it's like some of the things that you think cannot be said in 2020 are being said in 2020 on these shows. And they're popular. Well, but I, don't know I about guess how my question, because I'm not concerned that, you know. about Netflix being able to do well with the show. I'm talking about okay. when we're talking about representation, when we're talking about what do we want people laughing at about okay. stories that represent us, things like that. So I don't care if Netflix can find millions of people who will laugh at a joke that I find is a misrepresentation of us or offensive to us. 
Gotcha. And I'm not saying that I can think of specifics with good times, like specific jokes that I can just tell you like this one. But, you know, when you think about like, now I don't know how true it is, but I recall hearing reasons why, you know, they killed off the father and why that actor, um, the John Amos, uh, yes. didn't come back eventually, right? Because he didn't like the trajectory of the show. I think that is that's true. true. Yeah, I remember um, I remember reading about that. And I'm sure because I was not alive at the time and because I mostly watched good times when I was younger and so I probably couldn't grasp some of those things as he did as a mm-hmm. grown man filming those things that mm-hmm. if that is accurate then would we want that to be brought into 2020 in the form of this animated film or is Netflix going to do a good job of really recreating it in such a way that they improve upon it um in those areas if needed if that makes sense yes that makes perfect sense okay I got you I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure that whenever they do a show for me like, I, I just hate the disappointment of a show because, like, I'm still in my feelings oh, yeah. about certain shows. I mean, Underground, like, um, what's it called? Watchmen. How dare you, HBO? How dare you? And then we see what happened at the Emmys, of course, because Watchmen was good. I enjoyed Watchmen. Um, I enjoyed But Watchmen I do have to so say, much. like, HBO has several shows that center on Black women. Um, which I think is part of the reason why they did well at the Emmys in the same year that there were a lot of historic wins for Black people. Because, um, I mean, they have Insecure, Euphoria, Lovecraft Country. They had Watchmen. They have I May Destroy You, Betty, a Black Lady sketch show. They had Two Dope Queens, right? Um, right. So, but I, I enjoyed Watchmen. I was very disappointed that they didn't bring it back for another season. I still hear murmuring the maybe. Um, so we'll see. Um, I hope so. Did you watch Watchmen? So. I did. Religiously. Yeah. Ah, shut yeah. Up now. yeah, exactly. It was so good. Um, it was like the missing experience that Game of Thrones had when everybody was watching. Like everybody kept saying, "When? what is going to be the next show that's going to be the next Game of Thrones with everyone watching. I thought that Watchmen had that mm. same potential. Mm. And they got rid of it. And I tell you what, HBO, I applaud you for the shows that I just mentioned, but Lovecraft Country, it needs to come back. I don't do Lovecraft Country the way you did Watchmen, please. Because now I'm going to be watch that, though. Wait, you haven't? No. <laughs> I got to watch it. <laughs> I don't even I don't even have words um, <laughs> I don't even I know yeah you I need know. you need to watch it. I'm so surprised you haven't I mean because I know, you, love, I you love um black history as much as me um yeah and there are all types of nuggets and I know you're all over black twitter so I know you've probably seen posts and tweets about the different the nuggets and stuff. Um, I have got to. I've got to watch it. I'm gonna probably binge it when it's. And done. then there's a podcast with it, and the oh, it's all good. 
Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I've yeah. got to watch it. I would that say one and so many. thinking about Lovecraft Country, I'm going to um, go on your position about don't bring us something if you're going to take it away. Do not bring us Lovecraft Country if you're not going to keep it coming. Okay? I love it. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give you the final words here to wrap us up. All right, friends. So whatever you're into, it's always great to see yourself, whether it's good times, whether it's in the house, the parenthood, um, you name it, grownish, blackish, all them issues. That fulfillment you get when you feel seen, understood, reflected, invokes positive energy. Let's hope more shows can continue to be bold when creating content where the melanated are celebrated. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is so for us.